Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about the wonderful Apple TV Plus series, Five Days at Memorial. We are joined today by cast members Vera Farmiga, Cherry Jones, Robert Pine, Julie Ann Emery, Cornelia Smith Jr., and Michael Gaston, along with creator, showrunner, and director of episodes two and three, Carlton Cuse. And, and Carlton, starting with a question for you, I wanted to talk about the scope and, and the way in which you and John Ridley collaborated in creating this show because you've done such a phenomenal job in telling an incredibly intimate portrayal through all of these characters and, and not just in terms of the medical professionals, but the way that you bring us into each of the patients' individual lives and, and really give them such a, a set, a, such a sense of who they are as people within the show. And at the same time, there's this much larger discussion of you know the way that the government really failed the residents after Katrina. Um, what it really means to be left without any support and all of the systemic issues that, that followed the hurricane. And so I was really interested in creating the show and through elements like the use of archival news footage, how you really wanted to capture both this intimate character portrayal with your cast and yet also create this larger ranging topic of discussion throughout the series in the way that you have. I mean, first of all, I think for John and I, Sherry Fink, who wrote the book, is really gets a lot of credit. I mean, it was an incredible piece of uh, journalism and there was so much in there that we could mine. And I think right from the very beginning, um, those those ethical issues that were embedded in her story um, mainly focused on um, the decision making that medical professionals had to do in incredibly stressful situation. I mean, that really was the core of the story for us. And we wanted to try to tell that story in a way that uh, without passing judgment, that presented all sides of that narrative and really put the audience in the shoes of our characters. Um, when John and I were first talking about the story, he was telling me he had sent Sherry Fink's original article for which he won the Pulitzer Prize to his dad, who was a retired doctor. And uh, and his dad's response was, thank God I didn't have to make those decisions. And that became really an operative phrase for us as we were constructing the story, that and, and sort of not taking sides and really just trying to really advocate for each of the characters as we told our story. I love that. And, and Vera, coming over to you, there's kind of two different trajectories which we're following your character on. In the first five episodes, obviously, we're seeing everything that happened following the hurricane and this incredibly capable surgeon who's an incredibly empathetic person under incredible duress from all of the circumstances around her. And then there's a different type of duress in, in the last three episodes. And I love the way that in your performance, you've played those two different elements of, of stress and the way that things are closing in on her, um, you know, in such an insular way, but very differently. And so for you, what were the different defining factors of, of how you wanted to capture the emotional trajectory of your character when she's at the hospital and then later when she's going through all the legal proceedings? Sure, Mara, I mean, in, in the course of eight episodes, uh, my character goes from compassionate caregiver to and a hero to, to being accused of murder. And, you know, what was just vital for me, the most important part of this for me, was to just grasp the abysmal and dire conditions of what she was going through moment to moment uh, in that hospital and then in the aftermath um, after after um, you know after uh, she was charged and um, and waiting for you know for the hearing I, I think that it, it, it for me it was just to portray 
everything that zapped my character's emotional and mental reserves, um, the, the exhaustion, the physical exhaustion, the, 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 the spiritual exhaustion, the dementia of lack of sleep, the, the squalor of conditions, the, the oppressive heat, the, the, the lack of very little food or water, the no electricity, getting into the mindset of that, right? Um, and, and delivering that earnestly. <laughs> um, it's, you know, that, that, that was the only thing that I really would, that I, that I wanted to get right, that I wanted to the audience to understand. I wanted to humanize this portrayal. Uh, I wanted to put the audience in her position. The first part of it, the first five episodes is a, is a very intense physical duress. Uh, an emotional duress, and 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 it becomes more of a, a spiritual crisis <laughs> uh, when her when everything is at her st at stake, her career, her um, her reputation, um, uh, the very thing that she was born to do and loves to do, which is to cure people and to fix people. Um, all, all that was at stake of of being taken away, and I, I do believe that just sticking to this notion of of whether you agree or disagree in her mind, in her heart, in her soul. I think her faith was of utmost importance to her. And there was another entity in this equation for her. The way I approached the role was an added spiritual element in her relationship to her God um, and advisor. I, I, I honestly believe that all I could do is play and highlight that relationship, that spiritual element to it. But I, I think just just concentrating on the things that, that she, you know, that, that the facts of who she was, who her mission in life was, what I know to be true uh, for her as a doctor, as a healthcare worker, as, as a woman ordained to, to help people and not hurt people, to alleviate their suffering just to stick true to those to those facts. But yeah, I think during the first five episodes, it, it, you see her more in a, in a physical duress and an emotional duress and that and that that becomes more of a, 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 a spiritual crisis because everything everything is at stake. Absolutely. You know, thank you for all those details. And, and Cherry, you know, you're, you're playing a woman where you've really kind of brought forth the incredible confidence and skill set that she has and and as a character in the story, she was part of writing the emergency plan, which just never included this particular concept of evacuation under 10 feet of water. And so that really kind of gradually takes her more and more off kilter and off balance as she's trying to navigate all of this, all the while trying to be a very stoic face for both the patients and the rest of the staff. And so as you went through those first five episodes, how did you kind of calibrate the ways in which we'd start to see more of the, the elements which take her off balance, more of those vulnerabilities as she starts to question a lot of things herself, you know, given that so much of that is underneath the surface versus an external aspect of her? Well, it was interesting because we shot so much of it uh, in order, but um, those early um, meeting, those meetings when Susan calls everyone, uh, those staff staff meetings were shot over a period of, I don't know, what was it, Carlton? Two oh, or three days. Three, three days, yeah. Three days. So, um, and I didn't quite, I'm, 
I, I feel like I've never done film or television before in my life. I forget that when you get to a location, chances are you're going to shoot everything that happens in, in that location. And I had not, for whatever reason, I had not gotten to see the prelim uh, and didn't know until about three days before that we were going to do every single one of those sort of in order, those speeches that Susan has. And um, it was crucial, obviously, to get, to be in the right place for each one. The, the first speech is the hurricane is coming. The next speech is the hurricane came, we survived. It wasn't that bad, we're intact. Everyone did a fabulous job, yay team. Then the next one is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, everybody, but the next one is uh, the water's rising and we're gonna have 15 feet of, of, of water around us very soon. Uh, and then the next one after, I mean, they went on and on and on and got more and more dire. And I will say that um, looking out at Vera and uh, well, poor Julianne, you weren't in those meetings. I missed those. It was so sad for me to not we, be with everybody. We didn't, we didn't let life care in to those meetings. Um, but, uh, you know, Robert and Cornelius looking at and the incredible, the, our fellow uh, actors who were uh, from Canada, uh, the cast, Carlton, the way you filled out this cast, every, it, it just blows my mind. I just have to add that. But to look out at everyone, I, I was fed by what everyone in the room brought in for each of those new, increasingly dire scenes. Uh, so I, I fed off of them. It was a, I guess it was mutual. Well, and, what Cherry's leaving out is like so many words, so many pages of dialogue. And she came in and she did it all letter perfect. Uh, it was it was unbelievable. Well, Carlton, it was well written. And every <laughs> actor sitting here knows it's a lot easier to yeah. do that when it's well written. Um, but I, I, I uh, add one last thing, which was after the hurricane has left. And I forget which one of you wrote it. I always got it confused. Uh, was it you, Carlton, that has Susan Mildera crying in her mother's arms. I know you directed uh, I that. I directed that, but John wrote that. John yeah. wrote it. I didn't quite agree with that. I thought, I don't think she'd do that. So I had a little trouble getting there. But then in retrospect, of course, I thought that's absolutely right. There she is sobbing in her mother's arms after the hurricane has passed and the release and the relief of having gotten 2,000 people through that storm and it's just the beginning, yeah. you know? So she has this cathartic moment before everything that is about to happen. So it's so interesting the way you all played with uh, setting up who these people were as human beings. And uh, in a way, I almost think that that sobbing gave her strength in a way to, to march on as the flawed human being she was uh, and the and the brilliant heroic human being she was. Uh, you all gave us those tools, and and we thank you, because uh, you didn't know what any of these people said. It blows my mind that you all were able to do that. Anyway, that's my little part. <laughs>
Oh, that's so interesting. And, and Robert, coming over to you, um, I think it's it's so fascinating that you've described that this was a character that was kind of like the doctor that you envisioned yourself being when you first studied pre-med and were interested in pursuing that career yourself. And, and that really led into a lot of the moral compass of the character for you as well. And we really see that he's someone who who grapples with that a lot, particularly with the fact that he's not there at the very end. He's he's left on a boat, even though he wants to, to stay um, and that's kind of a dilemma that he clearly carries with him later in the series and, and later in time. And, and so with that idea and with your understanding of the medical field and just the emotional space that that, that takes, what were the important facets of his moral compass and, and how he responds to that emotionally that you wanted to build into him? Well, um, as has been said, Sherry Fink was very important to realizing who this character was. She helped me a great deal. Uh, he, she liked him better than anybody that she um, uh, interviewed for the for her book. Um, <clears throat> so I took her lead on that, and um, um, th this was really for the other people. I, I know th it was, was hard getting into their characters. As I've said, this was. This was really pretty easy for me. And uh, I didn't have any particular huge emotional scenes. And my, uh, my moral compass was very clearly defined in my mind. I mean, I was on one side of it and Vera was on the other side. And then everybody else was sort of in between. I mean, uh, we take an oath and uh, uh, do no harm, and I—that's that's it for me. And uh, and I thought what how uh, Vera did her role was absolutely wonderful, because uh, you rooted for her all the way through. I mean, she was really uh, gave people, and what we always wanted in this was we didn't make any uh, moral judgment or judgments about this. It was up to the audience at the end to say, what would you do under this situation? And a very interesting thing, I've told all my doctors, and I'm the oldest one here, and I see a lot of <laughs> doctors, and I tell them all, I said, I'm going to tell you once, this is a very good show. And I gave the, uh, I have an infusion once a month for immune, immune problems. And um, I told the nurses, I gave her a, 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 a slip of paper with all the stuff on. I said, you really ought to see this because it's about you guys and what, the, uh, what heroes you, you are under terrible conditions. One came up to me and said, uh, um, this, uh, time and very you'll like this she said uh, I don't know what I would have done there and uh, which I thought was very interesting and um, because uh, my character would hope there's no there's no question what the answer is and um, anyway I hope I've answered this I'm feeling old <laughs> or I'm old.
You have, those are those are great details. And, and Julianne, in, in speaking about Sherry Fink, I love the fact that with her involvement in this project that she even called you and, and asked, you know, what's your process in creating this character and finding her so that she could make sure to give you the information and resources that you needed. Um, and within that was, was fascinated by, you know, what that conversation was, what were the things that you wanted to relay to her in terms of your process of building this character? And then in turn, what were some of the, the resources or details that she was able to give you to support that? Well, um, I don't think any of us can possibly praise Sherry enough. And if you haven't read the book, read the book, get the audio book. Um, but Sherry also has just an enormous amount of research at her disposal that she used in, in uh, writing the book and she made it available to us. I think, I think one of the reasons she reached out to me that way is because um, my character is not someone who chose to be interviewed for the book. So I think she was, to her credit, was really trying to find ways to help me. And we talked a lot. I did talk to her a lot about my process. And she talked a lot about how the acting process is a lot of empathy. She's like, you're looking for who she is. And ultimately, she sent me everything she had. But she also compiled this uh, packet of stuff that other people said about Diane. And um, I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot about her leadership style. There was a lot about, oh, she and Christy Johnson were always cut-ups. And, and she, she, I learned about, I thought, oh, this is someone who likes a light environment, who tries to keep her staff happy, who wants, um, her leadership style is as compassionate as her, her patient care is. Um, so I, I'm really grateful to Sherry for that. I'm really grateful um, that she helped me kind of go digging for who who this character is in the midst of it. I mean, she shows up to a hurricane, what was forecast to be the worst hurricane in a century, seven months pregnant. Um, and there was an, another administrator at Life Care that, you know, she could have sort of pushed it off on, but she showed up and uh, continually she had to be physically struggling herself. Um, pregnant people... Uh, suffer dehydration more quickly uh, and more severely than anybody else. And also the heat would have gotten to her, but not showing that to her staff, like soldiering on um, became key. And then also those private moments that John and Carlton both wrote and directed into the show so beautifully, where I think that happens for each of us, the difference between uh, Diane in front of patients and then the difference between her in front of her staff. And then also in those private moments when you actually see the struggle or the just the moral toll on her, I think, became really key for me. And in Cornelius, with with you, I wanted to ask a little bit about your collaboration with your acting coach and really shaping a lot of elements of this character, especially because he's coming in as the newest staff member, you know, he, and so a lot of him is watching and observing, you know, there's even that line that he says later on where he's like, I know how to speak my mind, but I also know when to shut up. And so there's so much that he's holding within himself throughout the entire series. And so how did kind of working on scenes and asking a lot of questions in line with your acting coach as a collaboration really help in finding certain aspects of this character for you? Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, it was, it was key, I think, in any character that I approach, uh, you know, the first thing is how human can I make this experience? How how can I reach the, the humanality of this individual and of the circumstances? It's kind of a list of things that 
I'm sure every actor asks, where am I? What's going on? Where did I come from? What's my objective? Like, what's happening? Who do I care about? What do other people say about me? Just a, a host of different things that um, we try to find out to give ourselves, myself, information on how best to portray uh, this character and these moments, um, both honestly and truthfully. Uh, and so, you know, it's, I didn't know anything about the, um, the, the, the things that happened at Memorial Hospital. I obviously heard about Hurricane Katrina. Um, but after I kind of, you know, read the book and kind of did, did a deep dive, I had a greater appreciation for one being a part of this fabulous production and retelling of this story. Uh, and then two, I honestly could really um, empathize and really understand my character's point of view. Um, being the only African-American in a hospital uh, during a time of crisis, you know, new place, new people, new politics, new structure, um, and just really finding a way to really find your voice, uh, really kind of being specific about, I find when you're in a new place, you become incredibly specific about what you voice, because it depends on what kind of power you have, or what kind of presence you have, and if you're one to ruffle the feathers, I mean, some people speak truth to power almost immediately, but when you're new, it's it's difficult. And when you're by yourself, as, as my character was, um, he didn't have a whole lot of friends. Obviously everybody at the hospital had been there for many, many years and they were kind of friends that kind of had this great kind of, I don't know if they were best friends, but, they, but they've been there. And so they have a working relationship and some of them may have been friends. Whereas uh, my character was kind of completely kind of isolated, looking to make friends um, during a crisis. Um, and so it was a very kind of charged experience, obviously. Um, and just really in collaboration with my acting coach, really trying to, to wipe away, as other people have said, that the judgment of the circumstance, just getting to the truth of the matter about how I would feel in this position. Um, one of the greatest tools we have as actors is our imagination and that's what powers us. And the number one question is, um, you know, that unlocks the door for me is how would I feel if it were me and really get into the truth of what that response is and what that psychological processing is that leads to decisions in terms of things that I do or say as the character. Uh, and so, you know, to John and Carlton's uh, credit, it was written very well. Um, things made sense. Uh, that's always great as an actor when you get a script. It's like, yeah, this, this makes sense. I, I think uh, I think he would be a little, um, you know, curious or a little turned off or a little annoyed or whatever that particular scene is. And so it was very easy for me to just really release and give over to the writing and the storytelling and um, and really um, invest my heart wholly uh, to this tragic story. Um, and also a separate thing that was that was helpful. I mean, we were there telling this tragic story, but I think with everybody here and all our other cast members who aren't present, I mean, it really, it was a really interesting time because we were telling this tragic story, but we found a sense of joy and a sense of love and a sense of connection in telling something and creating something that obviously um, was, I don't want to say the opposite, but, you know, what happened was pretty, was pretty messed up. You know, it was a huge failure on multiple levels and a lot of people were affected and, and struggled through this time. So I find it interesting when you come together to tell a story like that, but also can find 
um, a common goal and a common love amongst the people that you're collaborating with to tell the story. Absolutely. And and Michael, one of one of the elements with the trajectory of your character that you're tasked with is, you know, taking him from someone who can't fathom the idea that there would have been any element of euthanization towards patients that were left at the end to investigating this and then having a very different emotional response of, you know, how could someone have done this, even though he's he's spent a lot of time living with all of the details of what it was like in that hospital because he just hasn't been through that experience himself. And, and I thought that was a really interesting trajectory to have to chart in your performance to start in this one place, end up somewhere else for him emotionally. And all the while through the investigating, through questioning people, you know, he has to kind of retain very retain a very neutral space. You know, he can't impart his emotions and his opinions in those conversations and those moments. Um, and so how did you find the real nuances of the subtleties that that required of where am I carrying this character to? What are the changes in how he's responding to the information emotionally, all the while being in a lot of spaces where he can't express this in the moment? Well, I mean, playing the part, I inherited a set of circumstances to in terms of where Butch begins this thing that it seemed almost unimaginable. And if they had been fictionalized, you, you might cut it, which is he was dealing with the most profound personal tragedy of having lost a child. The fact that he lost his child to medical malpractice as an investigator of Medicaid fraud and malpractice for the state just seems like an incredible setup. But what Butch comes into that investigation, he's he's essentially grateful to be able to have the investigation to divert his emotional, divert himself from this catastrophic emotional thing of having lost a daughter uh, very, very recently. Um, so for me, it was a very different experience. I, I, I wasn't seeking for uh, sort of the neutrality of, of the character or, or a sort of, um, I, I, my, I had a, you know, sort of traditional almost cops sort of trajectory in terms of just trying to get to the facts of what happened. And, and, and he begins from this place of such profound pain that it is, and it's just sort of a testament of who, who Butch is in the way that, that, John and Carlton found the 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 reality of who who that guy really is. He came to it with a tremendous generosity of spirit. It was like it was a way for him to do his job. The investigation, I think, in a way, kind of saved him, but it also made it kind of impossible for him to imagine the stuff that he would eventually discover about what went on and the events and the behaviors of of the medical professionals that he was investigating he was very very resistant to imagining that these people could could act in the way that he ultimately came to believe they they act acted um for me um i you know i i i walked into this incredible group of of professionals and performers who'd been together for three or four months when, when I turned up and they had this incredible tradition where dinners were happening on weekends and there were boat trips and birthday trips and things like that. And I've walked in like I'm emotionally ready to just just get into the 
fucking trenches with these people and and it's like hey we're having brunch and like everybody was just in love with one another and it was it was kind of a a, a head trip but but like as as Cornelius kind of alluded to it it made getting into that work so much that the depth of the darkness of that work so much easier to do and I was completely surrounded by not just extraordinary talent but some of the kindest most wonderful people i've been lucky enough to be around uh ever. And may i just add that in these on these weekends when we would get together because we couldn't go back and forth across the border because of of the, the covid restrictions so we were each, we really were each other's families up there because we couldn't see our own families and um at the end of every one of those nights of being together invariably we would start talking about what we each believed happened what we believed should have happened we would we would argue with each other lovingly uh and and we all had uh very everyone had a very unique uh response to what had happened uh, but we couldn't help every time we got together. It would always eventually come up. It's really yeah. interesting. It's like we couldn't get enough of the story. We were so into it. The other thing I was thinking when you were talking, Michael, about the extraordinary circumstances. On our very first day of shooting, John Ridley looks at me. I'm there in my prosthetic belly and my cute little maternity um, scrubs. And he looks at me and he says, you know, if I wrote a fictional disaster movie and I put a, a, a seven months pregnant woman in it, everybody would be like, oh, come on, really? But there are a lot of circumstances in this, like Cornelius is the only black doctor on staff. Like there, there are a ton of circumstances in this story that only play out because we are a dramatization of something that, you know, is based on real life. And uh, I, I wonder sometimes if we, uh, if, if we, if we exclude certain things, like um, I don't know, pregnant woman leadership, a man who lost his daughter recently to medical malpractice being in this. Sometimes maybe we dismiss those things fictionally when maybe we shouldn't, or maybe we just had the beautiful opportunity here. I mean, I, I think for, for my, for me, like, I, I, I think it would have been wonderful for Butch in a way. And I think he sort of entered this investigation hoping to get not just diversion away from his, for what had gone on with him, but actually to get some satisfaction, you know, um, and feel better about the medical community. Like he really was so invested in actually feeling good about the medical community because what happened to his daughter was so bad that if you go down that road into the darkness of it, you, you'll never get out. And being an essentially positive guy, the the journey, for lack of a better word, of this guy was he just got less and less and less and less positive the further he got into it. And it got more and more screwed up the deeper he got into it. And it made it harder and harder and harder for him to cope with the loss that he had to the point that he winds up really breaking down horribly once he really realizes the depths of what had gone on. Um, it's as much about his own daughter as it was about what happened at Memorial. Absolutely. And, and Carlton, you know, I think it is such a testament that you and John have created and written this piece that, you know, even your cast on weekends through filming, we're continuing to have these ethical debates about what went on, what should have happened, 
maybe differently, you know, and even going back to what Vera was saying about her character and whether you agree with her actions or not. And that really is the, the centerfold of how you've told this story where you're not dictating to the audience how they should feel and how they, how should, how they should respond or what they think should have happened. Um, and I was interested in, in the writing process, how that informed a lot of the creative cho choices that you were making, you know, when it came to writing these characters and when it came to working on specific scenes and making sure that you were always creating that balanced space of exploring the gray in the middle and never having it be black and white. I mean, first of all, the most important thing about the weekends were really Julianne's desserts. Um, <laughs> there will always be pie. The cornerstone of <laughs> pies um, really were kind of the critical element that allowed all of this bonding to take place. So, we all needed pie after a week of shooting this, right? We needed pie. <laughs> I know. I mean, it was really, it was so resonant. I mean, here we were. Um, telling a story about a medical crisis in the middle of a medical crisis where we were in, we went to Toronto because really, because there was much less COVID in Canada, it was a safer place to go and film. And, and we were all kind of, and the city was locked down and we couldn't go anywhere. And this had so much resonance. And we were telling a story about, um, you know, health professionals that are trying to decide, you know, who's going to get evacuated at the same time societally, we're trying to decide who gets a ventilator, who gets a vaccination. And um, as John really said to me right at the beginning, it was like, you know, history rhymes. And it was such an apparent thing for us all. I think it was so resonant to be making the show at this moment in time. And I think we'll, it just, it had such an import. And I think it connected us all to the material in, in such a strong way. And I, you know, and I think that was the thing that really, um, on the kind of the deepest level drew John and me to the project. And we were like sorting out and figuring out and breaking all the episodes across the, um, the eight hours of the show, you know, that resonance really was always in our minds, you know, Oh my God, this isn't just a story about what happened at, you know, this one hospital in New Orleans, this is something that happens over and over again. And, and, you know, why is that like, and, and, and is there anything we can do about it? And, I don't know that that sort of larger resonance was really something that informed a lot of our process. So interesting. And, and then lastly, Cherry and Vera, I wanted to come back to something that both of you were kind of touching upon, which, you know, for both of your characters in these places of leadership, that every single time they receive a piece of information, every time it's, okay, you know, we've got to get through the storm. Okay, we've made it through the storm. Now the water's coming. Okay, now it's going to be catastrophic. It's going to be worse than we thought. Now it's going to be that nobody's, no boats are coming. Nobody's coming to rescue us right now. You know, at each stage, every single one of those things, when they hear that news is the worst and hardest thing that they've heard up to that point. And yet you still have to be able to calibrate where the next thing they hear is then the worst and hardest thing that they've had to navigate through at that point. Um, and so I was so interested in how you both found the various responses to each of these instances where they're receiving this news, figuring out how they're going to navigate through it as it becomes more, more and more difficult for them to kind of envision how they're going to push through those elements and all the while it becoming more heightened. Right. Um, yeah, because each given circumstance usurps the other and it's just, um, you know, ultimately getting to the shock of realizing that nobody is coming to save you. But I think both of these women are leaders. They're trained to be leaders. I'm a, my character is a surgeon and she has a very surgical and clinical way of dealing with it. That is to push the emotion down and to be very strategic and specific in her operation um, and, 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 and tap into that inner strength 
that inner strength and that, 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 you know, that meticulous, um, God, the, the, the leadership of a surgeon. I mean, this is a very capable woman whose, whose, whose oath it is to, to, to help people. And, you know, and she's going to do whatever it takes. She never had children. Her patients are her children. This hospital <laughs> was her family. And, you know, and, and I think it's just a testament to their, the strength of, 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 of who these, these women were, um, and their, their capability, uh, to, to keep it together and to the best of their ability, try to save the, the most amount of patients and, you know, and, and, um, and alleviate the most amount of suffering that they could. Um, the the woman that my character is based on was uh, started out as an as an emergency room nurse, and I think the most important moments as an actor for me were the moments between when the information is received, the thought process, and then the next moment. But the thought process to me was what was most interesting about the, the character Susan Mulderick because she, again, was receiving one dreadful bit of news after the next, but um, she finds out that the helicopter pad is hasn't been used in 20 years and there's a beat. And then she says to the room, who has any kind of, of education in engineering? get up there and 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 the, and one of the doctors says he does and then he says well how am i gonna and, and she just says do it you know get it done so there's always it's that moment of when you you feel these people assessing making a decision right or wrong saying it and moving on to the next thing because it's just a tsunami of one thing after another so it is like the emergency room in a way so she was beautifully trained for that, this horrible moment in her life, really. But um, and the key it, there are those moments of fury, of fury and despair that erupt. And then she gets back to the hard business. Of yeah, Terry, what you said, though, that and in, in, in the writing of these roles, Carlton, in, in, in the brilliance of the it, these are these these were the kind of these moments, you know, in these receiving this this dire information these the way these roles were written and it leaves tremendous amount of space for subtext which is just as vital what is unspoken as what's what is spoken and from in in these brief albeit mo brief moments you know the pendulum swing from vulnerability to strength <laughs> to harnessing whatever you can to get the job done um was there and 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 that's just a testament to the writing as well it's 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 writing that allows for a really vivid subtext um subtextual life yeah it is it is really really re remarkable writing on the series and i'll just add really quickly cherry yeah. to what you were saying because one moment that stuck with me it was a scene where you were just talking about where they were going over the, the helipad and trying to, de to decipher if it works. And 
I'll never forget the line because the, the in the moment and the way it was delivered for me spoke to really the strength of a leader. Um, sometimes when you know and you don't know, you have to kind of delegate tasks. And she was like, I need you to decide. And he was like, how? And it was just like, back at you, I need you to decide. There's so much going on. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I don't have all the answers. I can't figure it out. Decide, come back to me with the information and we'll move on from there. And that was just one of the beautiful moments that kind of, for me, really highlighted um, just the strength of a leader and also the the challenges of, of leading in such a um, crucial time. Well, once again, beautifully written. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. but none of it, none of what have none of it would have worked without the complexity that that each of these actors brought to the roles. I mean, the idea of being able to kind of simultaneously try to play the strength of these characters and the leadership, but also allow the audience to see the vulnerability and the the, the self-doubt and the the kind of the fear that was behind their leadership positions is really a testament to the incredible acting in this in this show. I thought of of all of these people who went through this the other day, there was a clip of Nancy Pelosi uh, during January 6th, trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to get someone to come to the White House to stop it. And I thought of of every one of these these characters in that that moment. And and tomorrow at the end of the day, our hearts and minds were with the people of New Orleans and of Memorial Hospital. That we absolutely, every minute of the day, were talking about these individuals who went through this and and we had so much respect and love for these these extraordinary people in a profession that in 19 uh, 19 in 2020 and 2021 uh represented a profession that in at the height of covid healthcare workers had become disposable you know and to be able to pay tribute to them with this project was very important to, to each of us, as we've all said in different ways. But I just want us to always come back to those who, who survived this dreadful thing and um, with such courage. Also, to the, to the fact that it's still happening, there was people trapped in a hospital in Florida during Hurricane Ian for four days. And we're, we're not getting much better at this. Sorry. I, I wish I could take every member of our government on this federal, state, and local level and just sit with them and have them watch the show. I, I, I'd like to say that, um, that we all felt this responsibility. And I don't know whether I'm able to say this, but uh, uh, one that we heard from somebody recently who was... Um, um, uh, Nurse Robichaud's, um, um a daughter of Nurse Robichaud, wrote this thing saying, thank God for this show, because my mother has never been able to talk about this, ever. And this allowed her the story is told and it relieved a great deal of uh, pressure from her, which when I read that, I, I cried. I don't cry. (laughs) But it was so, it it was that one thing that made it all, it told the whole story 
that we had done our job. And I know um, uh, Terry was always very, um, very uh, uh, worried about her character that she was portraying her. She didn't even know who this woman was. Of course, Terry did a wonderful job, but it, it's that it's it made all the difference in there. That that was the final step that we needed to say we'd done the job and we done it, we've done it right. Diane I, saying she got some catharsis from this was um, I, I don't think we can I don't think any of us can ask for any more than that than anyone who was there getting something out of what we've done here. It's really, and really I, here. I also would like to say that this all happens because of leadership. And Carlton is the one who started it. He had us over to his house the first weekend when when we were there and started these party weekends. He had no idea what was gonna what he'd started, but it was because of him and he was a smart guy and I'm 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 sure there was a reason because he's he's a smart fellow. And um that's what started the the bonding of this group. And I and I have said um that this is the best professional experience I've ever had. And I've been doing this for fifty-seven years. And um and I hope you younger people have continue to have great experiences like this, but for me, this was a once in a lifetime experience. And um, anyway. It's incredible. I, well, you've all done such a phenomenal job in the way that you've approached this story and, and all of the, the complexities and nuance that came with it. So congratulations on everything with the show. And thank you so much for all of your time today and talking about this. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.